I realized relatively early that successful projects um, had one thing in common, and that was effective communication throughout the entire process. Um, the projects that didn't have effective communication went over budget, took more time, and in general were just looked at as harder. Communication as an answer made projects fun and maybe not always easy, but allowed progress to move forward and everybody to come out the other end feeling like they were part of a team. They were excited to work together again. This is the SolidWorks Born to Design podcast, a collection of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas into actual new products. And by the way, they all use SolidWorks. I'm your host, Cliff Medling, and this episode of the Born to Design podcast is titled, Communication is the Key to Better Design. Today, I'm talking with Eric Spurgeon, a young inventor and entrepreneur and business owner. But perhaps above all, he is a problem solver with some interesting ideas on best practices for solving design problems quicker, which I know you'll like hearing about. So let's jump right in to my interview with Eric to learn more. My name is Eric Spurgeon, and I run two companies. One company is Tarhoon 3D, and the other company is Iron Hedge. So which company started first? Tarhoon 3D, I started in 2017. Um, Tarhoon means to conquer. It's an old word. And... What I do through Tarhoon 3D is engineering design. On the engineering side, I help companies from everything from engineering product design to um, engineering process documentation, SolidWorks setup, PDM installs, um, kind of the whole package. Again, the whole goal is um, to help a company grow to the point where they don't need to hire a, an engineer. Or they, they don't need to hire me. They can hire an engineer full-time. Right, or they're sufficient with Aji. Excellent, excellent. So I, I was curious where Tarhoon came from. That's, that's, that's interesting. Well, my first company when I was in high school was Spurgeon Fence Construction, was a little, which was a little uninspired. So I resolved to come up with something a little more interesting. And in college, I came across an article on, uh, that had that name, and I just loved it. Oh, that's great. I love it. I love it. So tell us about Iron Hedge. I, I, I know what this is about, but I, I want to hear it from you. How did that get started? I would say it really started when I was 16. I started a fence construction company because college wasn't an option unless I figured out a way to... Um, you know, find the money. Um, so I started this fence construction company. Um, I had four full-time employees. I shouldn't say full-time. We built um, fence in the summer and on breaks um, in high school and college as a way to pay for school. Um, built 55 miles of fence and started that company in 2008. 2014, um, sold it and worked in industry as an engineer for a couple of years and just kept coming back to, there's something here. There's a better way to do the installs. Uh, what really clicked is um, I got into lean manufacturing and Kaizen events and those types of things, and I realized that uh, that was the missing link. I'm thinking thinking about the fence installation process in terms of lean manufacturing, um, and I believe I've come up with a way to design a mile of barbed wire fence in a day with some special equipment and then redesigning some of the common components of barbed wire fence. Um, so that's the the goal, build a mile of fence in a day. Okay. So, so I actually read up on you and I was, uh, that's, that's interesting. Cause I thought, uh, that you were going to college and you, and you thought there's a better way, but you actually started a fence company to help you pay for college, right? This exactly. was, this was your labor to, to, to get you into school, right? So yes. oh, great. Excellent. So tell us how long it took before. Traditional install of a barbed wire fence depends on, um, geography and ground type and those types of things. But in general, it takes 
a week for a crew of three to four people um, to build a mile of fence. Basically, there's just a lot of inefficiency in the in the whole process. There's setup time and travel and, and those types of things because you're you know out in a pasture, right. in a rough pasture with no road and those types of things. So and it's pretty intensive labor, right? You, yes. you have to like pound on a metal piece to, to make the hole right exactly or to, yeah. to bring the poles to how, what do you call it drill those holes into the ground or pound them in what's the correct term yeah so posts for the fence are pieces of are rods of steel six and a half feet long and to drive them into the ground there's some various solutions but the most efficient way is you take a piece of pipe and you weld a solid slug of steel on the top of it so it's 45 pounds um, there are 320 posts in a mile of, of fence if you imagine you hit one of those posts, each of those posts 15 times, that's what it takes to drive each post <laughs> into the ground. So, um, yeah, it's very labor intensive. Um, it's also very dangerous. The wire itself um, is designed to be razor sharp because it's a control. Um, it's, it's a humane control for um, animals, but we don't have fur. Right. <laughs> so it's hard on, on skin. It's hard on um, it's not very ergodynamic in terms of um what you have to do to do the install. So what was your solution? There's got to be a better way to do this, right? Yeah, so the new install process uh, basically just um, streamlines everything from end to end. So um, for one thing, the the corners, corner design that anchors the fence hasn't changed in 100, 150 years, um, and wow. they continue to fail. But I looked at um, and analyzed the corner structure and was able to determine a better shape that can install in 15 minutes as opposed to 45 minutes to an hour. Um, that's lighter, it's faster, et cetera. And then the second piece of the whole puzzle, because the corner doesn't work by itself, um, is a single pass solution. So you start at one end and you travel down to the end of the mile, all of your install pieces happen as you go. And when you get to the other end, you stretch everything up, you tie it off and you drive away. That's great. Excellent. And you implemented that in 2018? Uh, I started the company in 2018. We are still in the process of developing prototypes in the whole design process. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So more to come from you, huh? More, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. So when did you graduate from college? T- tell us a little bit about that and how you got started with um, your business now. Yep. I graduated the same year I sold the company, 2014. Okay. Uh, and I work, went to work in industry. I worked for uh, a pneumatic conveying and air filtration company worked on $5 million to $50 million projects that shipped all over the world. Really enjoyed that, really learned a lot about manufacturing and basically how a company grows and becomes sustainable. I left that company and went to work for a small ag manufacturer that built niche products and sprayers. And then that company was acquired and I didn't want to move to Kentucky. I'm originally from Kansas. And so I decided, well, now's better time than any to go out on my own. Um, so I started Tarhoon 3D in 2013, just to catch up that timeline. Um, and now at this point, I've done it for two years. Um, I work with 23 different clients in 11 industries and continue to do more and more different things. Oh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Now, did you always have that in the back of your mind? Do you always want to have your own business or you just didn't want to move to Kentucky? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were joking around a little bit before here that, uh, you know, it's a gift and a curse uh, to be bit by the entrepreneurship bug. Right, right, um, right. Starting at 16, um, running my own company and then going to work for somebody else, there was some real pros, but there was nothing quite the same as just running my own thing and getting started. Uh, and if it works, it's because of the work that I did. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And and it's just one of the most rewarding feelings I've found. That's the entrepreneur mindset. So where did that begin? Did that start at 16 or so as well? Or I think that started 
kind of the collaborative, everybody wins mindset is just a big part of growing up in the Midwest. We, very rural community, closest town was 10 miles and 250 people. Next closest town was, you know, 10 other 10 miles. All of our neighbors really kind of worked together as, as was growing up. And so that was just the example. Um, and then as I got into the industry, um, I realized that that's also what works. Um, it may take a little longer, uh, but six, 10, 12 months later, um, those things come back. You get one reputation, so better not mess it up. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So so growing up in Kansas helped you with, uh, you know, the, the, the mindset of helping others. So, so, so but where did the, where did the interest in, in engineering come from? Yeah, I became an engineer because I had a passion for building things, and that seemed like the best avenue um, to get to come up with cool ideas. From the time I was four, I was playing with Legos and, and building things whenever I, I had time, and then that transition to time in the shop and working with my dad on equipment and all those types of things. So it always just been fascinated with how things work and how things, things go work. together. Legos is the start of all this, right? It's, it's always, I know, I, I love Legos, so still do. Uh, I'll admit it. I'm Me glad, too. I'm glad my kids still play with Legos so I can, you know, have an excuse. Um, <laughs> that's great. What advice would you give to 14-year-old Eric today if you had the opportunity? Or any other boy or girl 14 years old who had an interest in, in engineering and STEM? I would really encourage 14-year-old self to be more outgoing and try more things, especially, you know, play around with uh, Lego Mindstorm type stuff and robotic stuff and, uh, yeah, just be open to trying new things. Right, right. No, I think that's good advice. I, I keep uh, telling my children they need to come up with a great idea because I'm, I'm out. So <laughs> <laughs> where do you see yourself in five or ten years? Boy. I can't be the first person to ask you. <laughs> no, no, no. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, the first two years of starting any company has always been about um, – proving that it works. And I'm to that point with Tarhoon 3D. Um, and so now it's looking at the opportunities that are coming in and saying, okay, where, where's the place that I can do most good um, for Tarhoon 3D, obviously, but also for the community. Um, I really, I, sometimes I tell people that I'm passionate about the Midwest and I just happen to be a mechanical engineer. Um, I'm really passionate about the, the people and the culture that exists in the Midwest, uh, and I think that in some ways we have to change our mindset, um, but all the pieces of the puzzle for great work ethic and um, integrity and those types of things are there. It's just changing a slight shift, and, and uh, we can create a great atmosphere. Um, so kind of central, central Kansas, Wichita is, is where I'm really passionate about um, trying to foster innovation and entrepreneurship. And that's part of supporting the, the startup community and the types of things that are happening there. And that's a big part of why the um, user group is important to me, too. It's just a central place to share ideas and outside of SolidWorks, too, just um, people who are excited about design and new ideas. Kansas, what do they call it? Flyover country, right? All yeah. the startups are on the East Coast and the West Coast, right? So it's great that you're you, – so your passion is to really build up that type of community, right, in your area, which is which is great, which is great because you obviously love the area, you love what it brings, you love the work ethic there, so you want to bring uh, innovation and uh, entrepreneurships and startups to that area. Absolutely. Right? Okay, excellent. And you want to help those companies, you know, get started because you have that knowledge and experience yourself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And give back where I can as well. I mean, I'm 28 and there's a lot I have to learn, but there's always somebody coming behind that's uh, – 
trying to, to do what I've done. Yeah. Um, or maybe I can help them find somebody else who knows how to solve their problem. Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, so, yeah, so you, uh, another way you're helping, I was going to bring this up, is the user group community, right? Uh, so you started a new user group community in your area, right? Um, I should put a fine point on it. The, the user group has um, been started a couple times. This is the, the third attempt. Okay. Um, the, there's a strong user group, and then the 2008 financial crisis um, changed a few things, and a lot of companies shifted around. And then um, this start, we've got the right people and the right team um, to make it successful. So it's, it's, at this point, it's going fantastic. And, and give a give a plug. What's the name of the user group? Yeah. <laughs> We're the South Central Kansas SolidWorks user group. Could you share a story of, of maybe somebody you've helped out? or? So one is I had the opportunity this last summer to design a museum-quality case for the Liberty Bell 7 spacecraft. Um, oh, nice. Right outside of Wichita, there's um, a company called the Cosmosphere, and they have, I believe, the world's largest collection of United States and Russian space artifacts. Um, so working with them was just kind of a full circle for me because when I was eight, um, that was the first time I went to the Cosmosphere, and when you walk in their lobby, they have a full-size SR-71 Blackbird oh, with the that, engines removed. What a beautiful airplane. It's yeah. so amazing. Um, and that visit was one of the first things that's, that opened my mind to, hey, you know, this is what's possible. Um, so for me, that was just a, a huge you know, positive. The other company, and I think they're doing the most good. Um, it's a company called Greenfield Robotics. They're developing a um, a way to control weeds without chemicals. So it's... Um, Love it. Yeah, it's me- mechanical tro- control of weeds between the rows. Um, they're a fantastic company. They're led by somebody who has... You know, I, I have a real faith in their, their vision and their ability to deliver on this. Um, it's a hard problem to solve, but really some exciting things going on there. That is that is great, yeah. Uh, a non-chemical solution, yeah. That, that's I think everybody's up for hearing more about that. <laughs> Excellent. I mean, this is uh, I think it's a, a great story of, you know, wanting to change the community and bring innovation to your own community and helping those get started with new fresh ideas like those you just mentioned. So, uh, what what else would you like to pass along? I'll 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 hop on one thing. The the central belief that I founded Tarhoon 3D on um, was this belief that. Communication is the center of the engineering process. Um, technical ability is 100% necessary, but my belief is that it's uh, like the equivalent of a driver's license. It's totally necessary, but we have to have more than that to, to bring products successfully to market and, and to uh, help our employers or um, ourselves succeed. I think there are a number of factors that make it the center. It's really what I found through my experience doing doing projects. I realized relatively early that successful projects um, had one thing in common, and that was effective communication throughout the entire process. Um, the projects that didn't have effective communication went over budget, took more time, and in general were just looked at as harder. Communication as an answer made projects fun and maybe not always easy, but allowed progress to move forward and everybody to come out the other end feeling like they were part of a team. They were excited to work together again, which when we step out of a single project and think more about the long term, um, it becomes much more evident that that, that is long-term success. I mean, I like to consider myself a sol- problem solver. I'm a designer myself. 
And, you know, I was told once, Cliff, sometimes you jump right into solving the problem and you're just wanting to come up with a solution that you share with everybody that you don't involve people around you during the process, which could have helped make the solution even better. I've made this mistake uh, of focusing too much on the technical solution. And, and the reality is there's the whole business case behind um, the, why the project exists. We, we have a tendency as engineers and designers to try to perfect the problem uh, in our minds before creating it in the real world. And if we flip that on its head, get a good enough solution, not necessarily that the customer sees, but that we can um, begin to iterate through. Um, and that's not always totally possible, but um, we can help control cost and come to a better solution uh, because we didn't just run out of time in the project. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's a great point. That's the Eric Spurgeon design <laughs> methodology. I like it. I mean, it's, it's people like yourself who are listening to this, right? It's a, it's a design community, like-minded people. Thanks for listening today. And remember, we offer many good resources to learn more about SOLIDWORKS and our collaboration solutions. To learn more, check out SOLIDWORKS.com collaboration. Also, to learn more about our startup program, check out SOLIDWORKS.com entrepreneur. We'll be back again soon with more great Born to Design podcast stories at SOLIDWORKS.com podcast or wherever podcasts are readily available. Until then, keep on innovating. I really hope that what you heard today has inspired you. If you enjoyed it, head on over to iTunes, search for the Born to Design podcast, and please leave a five-star review so that this podcast will be recommended to more people, helping us expand the Born to Design community. Thank you.